purpose. So if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to 3 John, verse, or in chapter 1, and verse 2. 3 John, chapter 1, verse 2. New series called Prosperity with a Purpose. It says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Notice that, beloved, he's talking to the church, he's talking to us. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So today, we're going to be talking about it's God's will to prosper you. It's God's will to prosper you. Now, this whole series we're going to start today, we're going to be talking about money. Now, we're going to be talking about money because it's a really important thing that we talk about. Now, it's interesting because anybody else in society can talk about money, and it's okay. But when church people start talking about money, everybody gets uncomfortable. Now, now your lawyer can talk about money, and your banker can talk about money, and your grandparents who don't know anything about money can talk about money and give you their opinion. But when people get up and preach the Bible and tell you what God says about money, people get uncomfortable. Now, let me tell you why people get uncomfortable, because people get uncomfortable when you preach on things that are the issue in their life. People get uncomfortable when you start talking about their idols. People get uncomfortable when you you put your finger on the issue of what's really in their heart and what's really messing with them. And for most people, it is money. And that's what Jesus says in the word. A lot of people, their issue is money, possessions. That's who has their heart. And where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The greatest revealer of who you love and what is important to you is your money. So this whole entire series, Prosperity with a Purpose, we're going to talk about money. But today, the first thing I want to talk about is it's God's will to prosper you. And that's going to be a foundational message for what we're going to talk about. But realize in the Bible, there's over 2,000, now I said 2,000, over 2,000 verses about money. Over half of Jesus' teaching was about money. You spend most of your life working for a lot of times at a job that you don't even like, around people you don't even like, but you do it because you need money to live. Am I right or am I wrong? So for us to say that money's not important or I don't care about money and money's not a really big deal for me, you're just not telling the truth because it is a big deal. If it's not, then quit your job and try to stay at home. And then you won't be at home for very much longer because you can't pay your bills because you don't have any money. No, money's important to all of us. Resources, finances, prosperity is important to all of us in here, whether we admit it or not. And God has a lot to say about money. That's why this series, we're going to go into God's word and hear what God says about money because he has a lot to say. Thousands and thousands of verses about money. Once again, majority of Jesus' teaching was about money, how we handle money, what we do with money. So money's important, and we need to talk about it. And why don't we go to the person who actually knows what they're talking about? I'm just going to throw this out here, but God knows all things. All things. God is all-knowing, all-powerful about any subject, So let's just go to God and get his advice about money, not everybody else's advice about money, not tradition, not what your parents told you, not what your banker told you, not what your stockbroker told you, but let's go to God's word and get what God says about money. Sound like a good plan to you? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go to God's word and hear what God says about money. Because a lot of times, what we think we know about money is not God's word, it's religion. It's tradition. Sometimes church tradition, sometimes just family tradition. Now, no offense to anyone in here, but a lot of times, a lot of our family backgrounds, we came from a poverty mindset background. Even if your family had money, they didn't think right about it. A lot of us came from parents and grandparents and aunt and uncles that told you wrong things about money, about God's opinion about money, and you know what you have to do? You have to be humble enough to 
ask God to help you renew your mind to what he says about money, which is truth, and not what your parents and grandparents told you or society. But a lot of times, it's easier to hold on to tradition because you want to say, well, I, you know, I got to respect what they said. You got to love them. Doesn't mean you got to respect what they said. And a lot of times, let's be honest, your parents, your grandparents, your family, the culture you grew up in, the neighborhood you grew up in, they taught you wrong about money. So we have to renew our mind to God's words because God's word is right. And it is true. And God's ways are right. And they're true. And God knows better. So if our thinking doesn't line up with God's word, we got to be humble enough to accept the word of God and say, God, I'm wrong, you're right, and I'm going to let you renew my mind by your word. You guys follow me so far today. I'm going to teach you, but we're also going to preach today. So we need to realize God's ways and God's word is right about money. So first of all, it is God's will to prosper you. And now about half of you are there with me, and the other half are like, ah. You know why? Because you've been taught wrong. You've been taught religion. You've been taught tradition, not the Bible. But God's word and God's ways are right. And it's God's will to prosper you. Now, let's look at this verse again. 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2. Now, let me give you a little context for this verse. Now, this is the Apostle John, who is an elderly man when he wrote this. This was the disciple who Jesus loved. Jesus, BFF his best friend, and he was an elderly man. He outlived all the rest of the other apostles, and when he was an elderly man, he wrote this. Now, how many know when you get older, all the fluff leaves you? We were just discussing this the other day about how some people act at restaurants once they get a little bit older. So how many know when you get older, all the the fluff, the lovey-doveyness kind of leaves you if you're not careful? You know, you just kind of say it how it is. You only say what's really important to you. So, you know, the Apostle John, he was the Apostle of love. And how many know when he's writing a letter at the end of his life, he's not just putting flowery words in there to say flowery words. He's not just talking to talking to talk. It is inspired by God for him to write this. And notice what he says. This is at the end of his life. He's, he's talking to a church. Beloved. That means he's talking to believers. He says, I pray. I pray. Now, he can only pray if he knows it's God's will. And he says, I pray to this church that you will prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers or as your mind is renewed to that fact that God wants you to prosper and be in health. But notice, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers because it's God's will to prosper us. Let's leave this up here. Notice what it says. It's God's will, and I pray, because he knows it's God's will, that you will prosper and be in health. Now, it's amazing to me today because uh, people on the news and just the culture loves to frame the church the way they want to frame the church. And you know who they despise the most? Health and wealth preachers. So you'd rather us be sickness and poverty preachers? You would like that? See, even common sense says that's really dumb. But the enemy gets people stirred up, and who do you hear about? Oh, it's those prosperity preachers. It's those health and wealth preachers. It's those name and acclaim it preachers. It's those, those prosperity. They're all just trying to get your money. They're always trying to do this and that. Now, why does the enemy stir up people only about those type of people and the rest of the body of Christ he leaves alone. Because they're the ones preaching the truth. Because they're the ones, if that revelation actually gets into the body of Christ, the body of Christ can actually do something for God. The body of Christ can actually be influential. How many know the body of Christ can't do anything if we're sick and we're broke? We can't. Think about last week. I was sick. I couldn't come give to you what I needed to give to you because I was sick. That wasn't God's will. And think about the church as a whole 
in the world live sick and broke because they don't know it's God's will and God has provided them not just an eternal salvation and it's going to be great when we get to heaven. It is, but he's provided us something right now for this life and the life to come. And he paid for you to be whole in your body and to prosper in all things. And that's God's will. So we need to realize that God and his will is that we are healthy, whole, strong, sound, and are prosperous people. So if anyone asks you, is that Church on the Rock a health and wealth preaching church? Yes. Is that pastor down there one of them health and wealth preachers? Absolutely, yes. Is he a prosperity preacher down there? Absolutely he is. Because that's what God's word says. Now, once again, what, this, is a, this is a Bible verse. He says, I pray that you may prosper in all things. He's talking about money. Don't just think spiritually. That's given. He's talking about money. I, that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. So we believe it's God's will around here that we're healthy, whole, strong, sound, and God wants you to be prosperous. It's God's will to prosper us, and this is going to be a prosperity church, and you're going to have a prosperity preacher because that's what God's word says. Now, the Bible even says this, so don't be afraid or ashamed when this happens, but it talks about if you're going to believe this, there's going to be persecution. That comes with believing God's word. There's going to be persecution that comes with believing that God wants to prosper you. There's going to be persecution that that when you believe that God wants to heal you. It's okay. Keep believing it. There's a reason for that. There's a reason you get pushback because the enemy doesn't want us to know what belongs to us in Christ. The enemy doesn't want us to know our rights and privileges as believers because if the church ever stood up, I need you to respond to me this morning. If the church ever got a hold of what really belongs to them, the church would change the world tomorrow. That's why he doesn't want you to know. And then the people that do know, he wants to get as much people persecuting you and discouraging you and pushing back on you that you just say, I'm just not going to bring it up anymore. But it's God's will to prosper you. It's God's will. That's what we're talking about today, prosperity with a purpose. So let me give you a few definitions before we go a little bit further. A lot of times in... The world we live in today, or tradition, it's amazing because not just in the church world, but even in the regular world, the natural world, there's a assumed thing that poverty equals humble and holy, which it doesn't, and prosperity means greedy, prideful, evil. And let me say this, I'm not trying to get political today, but... If you notice this, even in politics, they make all the people that have the money to be the bad guys. Oh, come on now, somebody. I don't care if you're Democratic or Republican. I'm still telling the truth. What do they do? You hear Republicans and Democrats. They always make the millionaires and billionaires, they're the bad guys. Even in society, in politics, they make people with money the bad guys. That's not always true. It all depends on the heart of the person, whether you're poor or whether you're rich, whether they're evil or prideful or wrong. But notice, it's tradition. Even in society, not just the church, poor equals humble and holy and precious, and we need to help you. And if you got money, you're prideful, you're evil, you're arrogant, you're stuck up. You don't even know these people. They just got money. Let me just say today, those things are for people that don't think. That's a very shallow way of looking at the world. It's tradition. It's not the Bible, and it's not even reality. 
Poor does not equal this, and riches do not equal this. It all depends on the heart of the person and who they love and who they are as a person. Yeah, there's billionaires out doing evil things, but there's also billionaires like Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A giving billions of dollars into the kingdom of God. So not all billionaires are bad. And you know what? There's a lot of poor people that are jerks, that are mean, that steal. They don't care anything about God. Just because they don't have any money does not make them humble or holy or right. Come on now, somebody. I know I'm stepping on some sacred traditional cows right now, but it's the truth. It all depends on the heart of the person. Now, this is a crude example, but Dad's given it before. The same billionaire can use money to produce pornography. That same money could go to produce Bibles. All depends on the heart of the person. Money in and of itself is not evil. It's what we do with it. It's the person behind it. It's the heart of it. That depends on how we use money, and that's what the Bible says. But we need to realize it's God's will to prosper you. Now, I want to give you some definitions, and I want to take it a little bit further before we go any further in this message about prosperity. Because you need to understand, because some people have taken to extremes either way when it talks about God and money. So I want to say this about prosperity. It's God's will to prosper you. When I say prosperity... Or I say poverty, I want you to know what I mean when I say that. Because it's different definitions. Or when I say rich or poor, let me give you the definition. So when I say rich, according to the Bible, when, when God says he wants you to be rich or prosperous, that means he wants you to have more than enough. Now when the Bible talks about poverty or, or being poor, it's talking about having, having not enough. Less than enough. Now, I know those are really simple definitions, but I want you to get this because a lot of times when we, we read the Bible and we read God wants you to be rich or we hear something about poverty, we put our own definitions of it. So, when, once again, when God says he wants you to be rich or prosperous, it means he wants you to have more than enough. So let me explain this a little bit further because I want you to have that definition because sometimes even people in the church world have taken that to the extreme. I'm going to explain what I'm saying because a lot of times we bring our own definitions and thoughts to what that means. So when I say prosperity or rich, you're thinking Bill Gates. You're thinking uh, driving a Bentley, being a billionaire, having a mansion. God's word doesn't say that you're going to have that. Come on now, somebody. But God's word does say that you can have more than enough. God's word does say you can live in abundance. God's word does say that you can grow in your prosperity, depending on what you do with it. God's word does say that he wants you to be rich, to have enough for you and for your family, and to have enough to give to your church, and to have enough to give to every good work. He wants you to be overflowing and abundant and prosperous and rich more than enough. So when I say prosperity and riches, I don't want us to get this crazy image up here because you know what that's going to do? You're going to feel like if I never get there, then I'm a failure. And a lot of church people are not called to be multi-billionaires because they can't handle it. But you are called to have more than enough. You're all, you are called to have an abundance you are called to have enough for your family and to not struggle from week to week and month to month and year to year. God wants you to be rich and prosperous and abundant and have more than enough. That's his will. Over here in the poverty or being poor, that's having not enough. That's not God's plan for your life. That's not what God wants for you. So let's get the right definitions because I want us to be balanced like the word is with our opinion about money, poverty, and riches. So when we say rich, once again, when I say when God wants to prosper you, don't think lifestyles of the rich and famous and a rapper you saw on TV. (laughs) 
you need to think when God says he wants you to be rich or be prosperous, which he does a lot of times all throughout the Bible, that means he wants you to have more than enough. And the thing is, when you prove that you can handle what you have, he has no problem giving you more and more and more. And you know what? You can grow in your prosperity and you can grow in your abundance. And if you prove to God that you'll be a giver, God will keep funneling it it to you. He'll keep blessing you because he knows that you will bless other people. So it's God's will to prosper us. It's God's will that we're rich and we're not poor. It's God's will that we're prosperous and we don't have poverty. It's God's will that we have an abundance and no lack. That's God's will. Come on, church. I need to hear you. It's God's will that we prosper. Here's another thing to think about, because we're thinking people here at Church on the Rock, right? We're not just going to be superficial believers who just skim the surface. We're actually going to think about our Bibles. Here's another thing to think about. Rich is relative. The reason you can't just have a definition of riches is because rich is relative. Us, all of us, compared to Bill Gates, are poor, very poor. But you know what? You, compared to most people in third world countries, are super rich. Do you guys know that? Super rich. So we can't base it off of a, I'm only rich if I have a certain car. I'm only rich if I have a certain house. I'm only rich if I have a certain amount in my bank account. No, that's not what God says. That's not a good way to look at it. God says more than enough. And you know what? That's why some people argue about the prosperity message because they're like, it doesn't work in other countries. Yes, it does. It just looks different. Because other countries, they don't care if you have cash. It doesn't work in their country. But if you have more livestock than everybody else, you're the wealthiest man in town. Other countries, they don't matter if you have a credit card or a debit card. What matters is if you got more crops than everybody else, God can bless those. Rich is relative. But no matter where we live, what country we're at, or where, where we go, it's God's will to prosper us. It's God's will that we're rich. It's God's will that we have more than enough. Whether we're living in America or a third world country, God can still prosper us. And we see that throughout the whole entire Bible, God prospering his people, no matter whether they were living in a major city or out in the desert, God still provided. Come on, I need a little bit better response to that. You know, it's amazing because you see people in the Bible who are prospered by God and rich, and, and some of them lived in big cities at their time, like Egypt or in Rome. God prospered them. But you also see the same God who prospered and made them rich is the same God that gave his people abundance in the desert. They didn't have a job, didn't have a grocery store, didn't have a target to go to. But you know what God did? He gave them abundance in the desert. He rained down food for them every day for 40 years. He sent them meat every day. He gave them water in the desert and not just a little bit, but water and food and abundance. So don't tell me God can't prosper you wherever you live or wherever you're from or wherever your background is or I'm a certain color and I've lived a certain way. No, that's not true. That's a lie. God can prosper you no matter your background, no matter your culture. Come on now, somebody. No matter where you live on the back side of the tracks or the front side of the tracks, no matter your education, God can prosper you. God can make you rich. God can give you more than enough. God is a good provider. And it's God's will to prosper us no matter where we are. No matter where we are in the world, no matter what season of life we're in, young or old, it's God's will to prosper us. You guys still follow me today? It's God's will. I want to give you three things this morning, three reasons why it's God's will to prosper you. The first one I want to talk about is God is a good father. God is a good father. Let's read Matthew 7, 11. 
Matthew 7 and verse 11. It says, if you, imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly father to give wonderful gifts to those who ask him? So he's saying if, if you as natural parents want to take care of your kids and you guys are imperfect and sinful, all of us in here are, how much more your father in heaven who is perfect, who is holy, who is righteous, who is kind, how much more our father in heaven would want to take care of us as his children? How much more would our father in heaven want to give good gifts to us because he is a good father. Now, if, if you didn't have any other reason other than this, this is an, enough of a good reason. If we didn't have any other verses in the Bible about prosperity, if you had this one, it would still be God's will. That God is a good father, that's why he wants to prosper you. So that means it's God's will because God is a good father. And what are fathers? Fathers are the provider of the family. And God is the best father. He is the, the, the best provider that we could ever want. And he wants to be good to his children and prosper us. Think about for a second, you as some of you as parents and grandparents in here. Does it bring you joy when your kids are struggling? Need a little bit louder. Does it bring you joy when you know your kid needs food and you can't get them the food they need? Does that bring you joy? Does it bring you joy when you know your kids, they need some new clothes and you're not able to afford it? Now, God says, if you feel that way about your kids, how much more me? Because you're imperfect and you're, you're, you're not holy like I am. And, and you're still sinful and you're still working through some things. But I'm perfect. How much more me? I want to take care of my kids. Because I'm a good father and I'm a good dad. And a good dad knows how to take care of his kids. That's why it's God's will to prosper us. It gives me no joy or pleasure if I saw Natalie struggling. You know, when I get most excited is when Natalie can get what she wants to get. I get more excited when she gets something more than when I get something. Because that's what a good parent's response is. How much more God? When God sees you get that promotion, he's excited. When God sees you get that new house, man, he's excited. When God sees you not struggling anymore to pay your bills, he's excited. When you get that new, the new clothes you wanted or, or the new car you wanted or you're able to bless other people and God sees you moving and prospering and, and things are going on in your life and God's blessing you, that brings him so much joy because God is a good father. You're still here, aren't you? We're just getting to the best part. I have a good dad. Now, not, not all of us in here grew up with good parents, but I have a good dad. And you know what? I'm 32 years old today. I've been living outside my parents' house for 10 years, paying my own bills, buying my own toilet paper. <laughs> they warned me about this. <laughs> my own toothpaste, my own deodorant, paying my own bills, doing my own thing. 10 years. But you know what? I'm 32 years old, but if I go to mom and dad's house, I'm going to get in the refrigerator and grab whatever I want. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If I'm running low on something and I didn't get to go to Walgreens, guess where I'm going? Yes, I'm going in the cabinet because you know dad is stacked with his <laughs> toiletry items. So I'm like, hey, he's got five toothpaste in here. He's got 10 deodorants. He's got 25 bars of soap. Thank you very much. You know why I do that? Because get, dad is a good dad. And because I know he's a good provider, what he has is mine. And I don't got to ask about it. I don't got to plead about it. I don't feel embarrassed about it. I don't care if he sees me doing it. Why? Because what he has is mine. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? How much more our Heavenly Father? 
God doesn't care. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Come on now. And receive mercy. Receive help. Receive whatever you need in time of need. Don't timidly come in the house. Go right into God's house and get whatever you want out of the refrigerator. Get whatever you want out of the closet. Get whatever you want out of the toiletry items. Get whatever you want because what he has is mine. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying anything today. God is a good dad. And you know what? I have a good dad, but he's nothing compared to the heavenly father. And I don't know your background or who you grew up with, but leave those thoughts behind you because you have a new father, a heavenly father who is perfect, who is righteous, and he is not a deadbeat dad. He knows how to take care of his kids. And what he says is, what I have is yours. All that I have is yours. He's a good dad. He's a good provider. And he gets joy when we prosper. He gets joy when we get provided for. He gets joy when we have abundance. He has joy when he sees his children succeeding. It gives him no pleasure when his children are struggling. Doesn't give you pleasure. If I saw Natalie walking down the street, she was dirty, she had raggedy clothes on and she had her head down, I would be in tears. Because that's the last thing I would want to see. But how many know so, so many times that's what God sees from heaven, his children living like? Beat up, sick, discouraged, depressed, poor. And God's saying, there's so much more. Why are you living this way? And his heart and his mercy and his compassion goes out to people and says, you don't have to keep living this way. I provided so much more. But a lot of believers just. God's saying, I'm a good dad. If you only just came to me and believed me and realized, no, I want you to prosper. I want you to be healthy. I want you to receive all these things. But you got to receive it from me. And first of all, you got to have somebody teach you that it's yours. It's God's will to prosper us because he's a good father. Let's read Psalm 35, verse 27. This verse, Psalm 35, 27 says, But let all my true friends shout for joy, all those who know and love what I do for you. Let them all say, let the Lord is great. Notice, and he delights in the prosperity of his servants. The psalmist David said what? The Lord is great and he delights in the prosperity of his servants. Now that's in the Old Testament. How much more his sons and daughters? If God delights in his servants prospering, how much more us? We're his kids. But I love this verse because so many people would make you feel like God doesn't want you to prosper or something's wrong. No, it says God, he delights. He delights in the prosperity of his servants. He delights in the prosperity of his kids. You know, Brother Sean just got a new truck. Come on, let's rejoice, church family, for a second. You know, Brother Sean didn't ask for that truck. He didn't ask for that truck. But you know what happened? He's a faithful man. His family is faithful. And God said, I see that, and I'm a good dad, and I'm going to make sure you get a new truck. If he could do it for him, he can do it for you. And you know what? When Brother Sean got the truck, and not just got any truck, he didn't just try to go down and get the, the oldest, most used truck to save the Lord a few pennies. Because that's the way some of y'all think. It's not right. But you know what? He picked out what he wanted to get. You know what happened? God delighted in that. Because he delights in the prosperity of his servants. He delights in the prosperity of his children. He delights when God's people get blessed. He delights when we have abundance. He delights when we prosper and we're rich. Why? Because he's a good father. And he takes pleasure in the prosperity. Number two, reason why 
God wants us to prosper and it's his will is it's part of our redemptive rights. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Let's leave this up here. So it says in this verse, because prosperity is a part of our redemptive rights as believers. It says that Jesus, though he was rich, because how many know he lived in heaven? Talk about rich, ultimate riches. And his earthly ministry, he was rich. He had more than enough. But it says in this passage that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. So it's part of your redemptive rights that you prosper. It's part of your redemptive rights, just like it's your right to receive salvation and forgiveness and remission of sins, just like it's your right that by Jesus' stripes you are healed, you have just as much redemptive rights that you prosper and that you're rich. Because Jesus redeemed you not just from sin, but from sickness and disease from mental issues, from depression, from anxiety, from worry, but he redeemed you from poverty and never having enough. And this verse says, though he was rich, he became poor, that through his poverty you might be rich. It's part of your redemptive rights. And notice, when we take advantage of God's redemptive rights, it gives him great pleasure and joy because he paid for it. Same way, if you bought somebody a lavish gift and you told them, hey, you just need to go down to 12th and Broadway and pick this up. And you spent a lot of money on this gift. And then the next day you said, hey, did you get that? Oh, no, I didn't go down there and get it. Were you going to go get it? Yeah, probably. And then day after day after day, you kept asking them, and you're like, I spent a lot of money on it. I purchased it for you. I paid for it. And they just left it down there. How many know you wouldn't get any joy out of that? Because you already paid for it. How many know a lot of believers live that way? God has paid the price for you to be prosperous. He's paid the price for you to have redemption. He's paid the price for your healing. He's paid the price. And a lot of believers haven't went and picked it up yet. A lot of believers are still waiting on you down the street, but you've got to go receive it and pick up what he's provided for. But Jesus paid for your redemptive rights. Now, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, just to give you a little context, because the people that think they know something about the Bible, a lot of times will say this, well, yeah, pastor, he's talking about spiritual wealth and prosperity and riches. Wrong. I'm going to tell you why. Because if you knew how to study your Bible, just start there, and read the Bible in context, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, the whole two chapters are about tangible, physical money and generosity. It's not about spiritual riches in heavenly places far above. Nothing like that. Now, there's other verses about stuff like that, but these verses are about tangible, physical finances and resources. That's what he's talking about in context. And it says, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty you might become rich. So when did he become poor? When did Jesus become poor? Jesus became poor when he became your sin. Jesus became poor when he became your sickness. Jesus became poor when he became your depression. Jesus became poor on the cross. When he took all of your sin, he took all of your sickness. And he took all of your poverty 
on the cross, not in his earthly ministry. And when he paid for your sin, come on now, somebody. He paid for your sickness. He paid for your disease. He paid for your infirmities. He paid for your mind and your body and your spirit. He paid for your prosperity on the cross. And through his poverty, we might be made rich. Once again, what does rich mean? More than enough. Now, he didn't say, I became poor so you could live in a certain mansion and be a multi-billionaire. He didn't say that. But he did say, I went through poverty so you wouldn't have to struggle anymore. I went through poverty so you could be rich. You could have more than enough. More than enough for your kids. More than enough for your grandkids. More than enough to give to your church. More than you can give to the poor. More than enough that you can live the life you want to live. You can go on the vacations you want to go to. You can take off time at work and you're not freaking out about money anymore. Because God wants you to be rich. Have more than enough. It's God's will that we prosper. It's God's will that we have more than enough. Are you receiving what I'm saying today? So once again, number one, it's God's will that we prosper because he's a good father. He's a good dad. Number two, it's part of our redemptive rights. Just like we're redeemed from sin, we're redeemed from sickness, we are redeemed from poverty. He became poor that we might become rich. And the third and last thing I want to talk about is God wants to prosper you so you can bless others. This is one of my favorite things to talk about because the title of this series is something I've talked about through the years, and I actually heard somebody say it a long time ago, and it stuck with me. But we believe in prosperity with a purpose around here. Not just prosperity to just have it. God wants you to have it, but there's a bigger motive for you having it. God believes in prosperity with a purpose. And the third thing I want to share is he wants to prosper you so you can bless and help others. How many know the poor cannot help the poor? How many know the poor cannot help the poor? Can I get on my soapbox for a second here? I'll come right back, I promise. You want me to get on the soapbox? Yes or no? Okay. I get on the soapbox for a second. It's amazing because, you know, I grew up, I'm a millennial, I'm 32 years old. And a lot of people my age that I grew up with, it's amazing because they're all about social justice, which is helping people that have needs, the poor, the broken, the hurting, which is good. But a lot of those same people have no money. So you can't help anybody when you don't have any money. If you can't buy your own groceries, you can't buy anybody else's groceries. If you can't put clothes on your own back, you can't put clothes on anybody else's back. So that's why I think it's hilarious because people from my generation, some people I even grew up with, which don't think right about money or God anyways, they're all about social justice. I want to help people. I want to clothe people, which you need to. That's part of the gospel. That's not the only part, but it's part of the gospel. But the poor cannot help the poor. Poor cannot help the poor. I know people in this church got uncomfortable, young people, about the prosperity message. I'm like, the poor cannot help the poor. You're not even thinking with your brain. We're not even talking about Bible. You're just not even thinking with your brain at this point. Because the poor cannot help the poor you got to have some money, some prosperity, some resources to help other people. So God wants to prosper you so you can bless and help other people. It always should be connected to a purpose. So if we want to do more as a church for each other, for this community, to help other people, it takes money. It takes money. It takes people giving and working and pursuing what God has put in their heart to prosper. God wants to prosper you so you can bless and help other people. 
It's his will. That's the purpose behind prosperity. Let me give you a few verses for that. First of all is Abraham, who is the father of our faith. Abraham in the Bible, Genesis 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord has said to Abram, get out of your country and from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Notice, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Notice he says, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. But what did he tell Abraham? Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but he didn't leave it there so you can be a blessing. God wants to prosper us so we can prosper others. God wants to bless us so we can bless others. God wants to help us so we can help others. That's the purpose of prosperity. So we see that God said to Abraham, I want to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing. Not just spiritually, because if you look at Abraham's life, Abraham was very prosperous in resources. Very prosperous in cattle and gold and silver, which were all the important things in that day. Very wealthy. So was Isaac. So was Jacob, his whole family. Why? Because they put God first and God blessed them and prospered them so they could be a blessing to other people. And how many know he's the father of our faith, the Bible says, and we are blessed with the same blessing of Abraham. And God blessed Abraham with abundance and said, I will bless you so you will be a blessing. God's plan is to prosper us so we can bless others. Now let's look at another verse, Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. And we'll start in verse 11. Let me give you a little context of this verse. Deuteronomy 8. God is talking to his people who are about to go into the promised land. And he's giving them a warning because they went from living in slavery to seeing miracles to the Red Sea to the wilderness. But now they're about to go into the promised land where they're going to have abundance. They're going to go into major blessings, major prosperity. And God says this warning to them because he says, it's my will that you prosper and it's my will that you're blessed, but I want to tell you something that might happen if you get your eyes off of me and onto the prosperity. You follow me so far? So this is what he says, Deuteronomy 8 and 11, he gives them a warning. He says, but that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands and regulations and decrees I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and your herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Are you hearing this warning? Do not become proud at the time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness and its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and to test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say, hear me, church, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Verse 18. Remember, the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. So notice this passage, what he says. Once again, because we're talking about there's a balance in prosperity. He says, I'm going to bring you into this land of prosperity and blessing. I'm going to bring you into this land and you're going to have Houses you didn't build. And you're going to have vineyards you didn't dig. And you're going to have wells you didn't dig. And you know what? Your family's going to get bigger. And your cattle are going to produce more. And your crops are going to grow. And you're going to be prosperous. And all the nations of the earth are going to call you blessed. Now that 
wasn't just for them. That's for us as believers. But he says, when you get to that place, what he keeps saying, be careful, don't forget. Be careful, don't forget. Be careful, don't forget. Why? Because money and prosperity has a way of taking your heart away from God and believing it was all you. And you start getting prideful and arrogant, thinking it was my smarts that made me prosperous. It was my job. Notice my. It was my ability that did this. And God said, no, it wasn't. When I met y'all, y'all were slaves in Egypt. But I took you out and I redeemed your life. And I healed your body. And I brought you into a blessing. And I brought you into prosperity. And when you get to the promised land, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget who got you here. Remember the Lord your God and be careful because why? You're only blessed to be a blessing. You're only prospered with a purpose. And what does he say? Don't forget it was my power that gave you the ability to succeed. Let's read this again in the New King James. And you shall remember the Lord your God. Notice, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. What's wealth? That's blessing. That's prosperity. But you notice the verse doesn't stop there. Why? Because there's prosperity with a purpose. Blessed to be a blessing. Why did he give you this wealth? That he may establish his covenant or his kingdom or his church, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Notice that. Prosperity with a purpose. Blessed to be a blessing. That's why he gave it to you. That when you get there and he prospers you, he gave you the power to get it, but he gave you the power to get wealth so he could establish his covenant on the earth. So he could build his kingdom because the kingdom takes money. Because to build God's house takes money. To build his church takes money. That's why the church should have more money than any other organization on the planet because whoever has the money has the influence. And it takes money to establish his covenant and his kingdom on the earth. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're prospered for a purpose. 